Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 1035 with Jamie Greer. I think the thing that you need to really think about is the bigger picture. It's very easy to be in the moment and say, well, you know, this is how we are today, so it's fine. And yes, there are going to be some things that that is fine. But when you're thinking about building systems and evaluating technologies or whatever you're using, you need to sort of have, you know, be able to look really forward and say, is this going to work if I have 25 restaurants? Is this giving me the insight that I need to make the best decisions for my team and for my customers? And that I think is something that we didn't always have. And maybe that's because we didn't realize, you know, uh, the potential for stickies. And as you grow and learn, it's like, oh, I wish I could understand this more about my customer, or I wish my team could have access to this, you know, more easily. And thinking about putting the structure in place to accomplish that at an early time in your company, I think is really key. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro, and they are launching their first time ever 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, it, more butts and seats, and that's not it. If you are interested in this, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. This episode is brought to you by Margin Edge. Margin Edge is a restaurant management software that helps you see your food and your labor costs in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. Just snap a picture of your invoice and Margin Edge will process them within 24 to 48 hours with line item detail, including handwritten adjustments. This allows you to save hours on paperwork so you can spend more time creating great guest experience. Head to marginedge.com slash unstoppable to sign up for a free demo today. That's marginedge.com slash unstoppable. This episode brought to you by Owner.com. Owner.com is the leading all-in-one platform for restaurant marketing. Owner.com powers everything from SEO-optimized websites, direct online ordering, automated email and text marketing, built-in loyalty programs, zero commission delivery, and branded mobile apps for your restaurant that's integrated right into your POS. With Owner.com, there's no contract, no hidden fees, and nothing to lose. Join thousands of restaurant owners using Owner.com to grow direct online sales, save thousands in third-party fees, and simplify their online ordering presence all in one. Book a free demo today at owner.com slash unstoppable and see why owner.com is the number one rated restaurant marketing software. 
This episode made possible by Restaurant Technologies, Inc. RTI's Total Oil Management automates your entire cooking oil process. With Total Oil Management, you get dependable fresh bulk cooking oil delivery, filtration plus oil usage monitoring and reporting, easy oil disposal, use cooking oil pickup and recycling, and say goodbye to messy, dangerous restaurant rendering tanks. Yuck. RTI's end-to-end cooking oil system helps you manage your used cooking oil disposal, storage, collection, and recycling conveniently, safely, and cleanly with no upfront cost. Restaurant Technologies, Inc. is always on so you don't have to be. To learn more, head to rti-inc.com and let them know Restaurant Unstoppable Podcast sent you their way. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, interim CEO at Sticky's Finger Joint, Jamie Greer. Jamie, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. I'm feeling unstoppable to have you here because, you know, you came on my radar by somebody who I I admire and respect a lot, Uh, somebody who I am increasingly able to to call a friend. Whenever I'm in New York, I'm like, Paul Turnerman, are you in town? I'm like, let's grab a bite. Keep me company. And uh, during my last trip, we connected and I was like, who should I talk to? Like, wh- like what, are you, what have you noticed, Paul? Like, what's going on? He's like, you know, he's like, selfishly, I really want you to talk to our interim CEO. Jamie Greer would kill it on your show. And um, I did some research and I 100% agree. I'm super psyched to have you here. I love the, the Stickies uh, brand and what, what you guys are doing. And I know this is going to be good. And I cannot wait to dive into your story, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with the success quarter mantra. What do you got for us? Okay. You know, I really do wish I could sit here and start the day with some polished quote, but you know, to be true to myself and, and who I am, I really often find myself telling my team, uh, we're doing it, baby. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Simple, energetic, motivational. I think a lot of times people are faced with challenges or something new. The first, you know, the first place that their mind goes to is how are we going to do this? We can't do this. We've never done this before. It's going to be too hard. And where does that lead you to? You know, we're not going to do it. That's, that's not an option. We're operators. We're going to get it done. We're going to do it. So pump yourself up. We're doing it, baby. And is let's go. Is it a brisk commercial? Is it, <laughs> is, it, is it brisk that said that we're doing it? Or is it, was it just it's brisk, baby? Oh, you know what? I don't know, but I'll be upset to learn that because <laughs> I thought I made it up. <laughs> No, I love that though, but I think it also, it's like, it, there's power in language, right? Yeah. And like just the, these little rants and like, or the, these, um, like these rituals, these sayings, and like we're doing it in that, in your mind, I feel like what that does is it just forces you to kind of own what, what's about to happen. Like, I think there's a lot of anxiety sometimes in our minds about the work that has to be done. But when you just say that we're doing it, like, you're, you're doing like, it. Oh, it has begun. <laughs> like, we're doing it. Um, exactly. And once you start, it's kind of like, you're going to you're going to finish it, you know? So whatever happens along the way, you're doing it and yeah. we'll figure it out as we go. So it's, it's fun to say, too. It's fun. Yeah. I like that. Awesome. Great <laughs> way to get this thing started. Um so where does it make sense to start sharing your story? It sounds like you knew young that you wanted to be in hospitality. So like when did you know? You could say that. Yeah, I mean, I started my journey in this industry in high school, really. I'm not sure if I knew then exactly that this was it. But to be honest, my um, mom, you know, she told me or encouraged me to apply to a vocational high school um, where I grew up. We have 
um, different high schools in the area, and you can either be districted to a high school or apply to a new one. And my mom was really encouraging my sisters and I to do something different. Um, and I chose the one where you didn't have to take a test. <laughs> um, culinary arts and hospitality management. And what it was, was, you know, instead of doing your regular high school electives, you're in a full service kitchen. It had a little cafe that was open to the public, connected to the high school. And by your senior year, you're writing simple menus and leading the other students um, throughout the day and just getting a chance to kind of feel what it's like to be in a kitchen. And I had so much fun. I was like, if I could spend, you know, my whole life in this environment and with these types of people and cooking good food and interacting with people, you know, why wouldn't I make a living? What was the fun for you reflecting back? Like, do you know what it was specifically that you enjoyed? Uh, you know, being able to be creative and just always talk with people. I'm not someone who wants to sit at a desk, you know, when I was at school or a desk really in the office. I like just having new challenges to solve or being able to really have an input. I think, you know, something that that opportunity uh, gave to me was having an input at such a young age. You know, we were writing the menu or we were deciding what our hours of operation were or we were helping each other. And I was never really in a situation like that, you know, before then. And that that's fun to me. I think it's interesting, too. I think when we think of the word creativity, it's almost always associated with, like, the creative arts. Yeah. Like, creating, like, a painting or music or some something, like, stimulating, right? But I think creativity manifests in business in really interesting ways. Like, just problem-solving, solutions, looking at things differently. You know? Oh, like yeah. what's going through your mind. I mean, creativity, I think it applies to really everything we do. At the very baseline, you know, we are creating delicious food every day. We're creating, you know, a bunch of different sauces. But like you said, when it comes to problem solving... Creating solutions. Creating solutions. Thank you. Um, You know, when it comes to problem solving, there's no set way of doing things. And I think that if you push yourself to do something different and think outside the box, you're going to find a new solution um, that can take you, you know, even further than you thought. I love that. And I'm actually, I want to like applaud your mother publicly for (laughs) like, I think like it's, there's getting outside of the standard operating system, especially when it comes to schools and like thinking about like like, alternative paths of growth through your children. I, I don't know. I just, as somebody who was never good at traditional school, I was never like good at school. Um, I don't think school's for everybody. And I think it's good to kind of consider like different, like, so do you want to get a little bit more into why your mother said maybe try like an alternative approach to schooling? Um, I think, you know, she just really wanted to encourage my sisters and I to figure out what was right for us to be completely honest. The school that we were all districted to, you know, just didn't have the best um, infrastructure. She wasn't really a fan of, the politics, you know, of the town or what was going on. So I'm not sure if it actually was rooted in the fact that she uh, just didn't want us to go there or that she wanted us to just recognize that there are other options. Um, There are other ways to spend our time. You don't have to do something just because you're being told to do it. You can find something that you're really interested in um, and spend your time that way and learn and be successful um, in a different way. Was she concerned when you expressed your interest in hospitality in the restaurant industry? No, she loved it. Okay. Some parents don't, they get worried when they hear their kids want to go down that path for understandable reasons. I mean, I think less so today. I think there's more opportunity in restaurants today. I mean, it's, it's, it's becoming more of a, 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 a true path to go down there. 
what's going through your mind as I'm saying this? Well, you know, the first thing that's really going through my mind is my mom and I are huge foodies. So I uh, think she was probably really <laughs> excited that I was going to be able to sharpen that skill, learn some new recipes and do some testing for at home. Um, but, you know, I, I totally agree with you. A lot of people here... Um, that somebody works in a restaurant and they they think, you know, not so highly of it. And yeah. they don't really realize that that's a career. And, you know, that is something that I've learned along the right. way. I, don't, I did not realize that in high school, you know, this was going to be my career or what the opportunity um, could even be. And that's something that I try every single day to show to our team, you know, and have people understand like, yes, you might have fallen into this or this is just something you're doing to get by right now. But you're actually really good at it and you can make a living and you can impact other people's lives. So I, I don't want to jinx it, but I do think that there's going to be a wave of people coming to food and beverage and hospitality in the future, just because I think we're taking the industry is starting to take itself more seriously. We're providing more resources and benefits to people. And I think there's a huge void in just human interaction in a way that like, I think there's like people just don't realize they need it yet. But once they do, like once I think it becomes common knowledge, that like there's a huge void of like human interaction. Like people are going to come to us for, for that. What, what's, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I actually, I do think that everybody should work in a restaurant at some point in their life. I think that it just teaches you skills that you didn't even know that you needed to learn or sharpen. Even if, you know, you're doing it in high school, you learn how to interact with people about customer service, about teamwork, about communication. And you can apply that, you know, to really anything else that you do in life. But having those skills in a restaurant are even more valuable because so many people might not have been exposed to the importance of right. those schools. So if you skills, um, so if you have them, you can really make a bigger impact. Right. So at what point, so you, you you're in school, you, you uh, clearly like it. You end up going to college for hospitality. You're at Syracuse, right? Yeah. Um, take us along this like natural path. Like, I don't know if it's worth getting into your time at Syracuse or like what, what's going on internally. Yeah. So, um, when I was graduating high school, I decided I was going to go to Syracuse. I really, I think I try to remember exactly at what moment I was like, I'm going to Syracuse. Cause I actually didn't even see the campus before I applied. Um, and you know, we were talking a little bit about the international school, which they, um, are affiliated with. And that's really what drove me to apply to Syracuse. It was because they had this hospitality program um, and an affiliation in Florence where you can study food and wine and hospitality in Italy. It just seemed, you know, glamorous to me. And I was like, I need to do that. Um, So I went to Syracuse and I studied hospitality management there. And it was also a blast. You know, the whole graduating class, I think, was like 25 or 30 people. So we were a close-knit group of people that went through all four years together and were exposed to different types of courses. Um, When you say graduating class, are you talking about your specific people who graduated with the hospitality yeah. management major in that year. I was going to say, that's a really small class. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Syracuse is bigger than that. Um, it's much bigger than that. <laughs> so when you came out, like when, when you were finishing up your four years there, like what are you thinking? Like what's your vision for yourself at this point? Like what do you, do you think your life in hospitality was going to be? That's a great question. And I definitely had no idea. <laughs> um, I definitely, you know, Never, I didn't think at that time, at least, that I would end up doing what I'm doing right now. Um, I knew for sure I didn't want to work in hotels because I was not trying to have the 24-7, you know. I mean, it is 24-7, but I just, at that time, hotels felt more 24-7 than regular well, op- restaurant operations. Exactly. facility 24-7. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I knew I wanted to get into restaurants. Um, I wanted to try and start in a management position. I was totally open to starting wherever I needed to start. I think it's kind of rare that 
that people actually study hospitality management. Um, and most people in the industry, you know, they climb the ladder through the ranks of, of restaurants and that's how they get where they are. So um, I was determined to kind of be different in that sense and show people what I can do if they just gave me a chance. I ended up working um, at a bakery actually right out of college, um, Magnolia Bakery actually, and I was a manager there for a little bit over a year working in all of their New York restaurants. And that was really my first true uh, New York City restaurant um, experience to really get a feel of, you know, who I'd be working with, what our customers are like, what the hustle is like, the long hours. Um, and from there, you know, I, I continue to really enjoy it. It's hard, but something about it keeps me uh, wanting to do more. So it was right off the heels of graduating. So this is 2014 when you're, you're at um, Magnolia Grill. You're there for a year, two years? About a year. About a year. Um, what was there like a strategic approach to going to Magni, Ma, Magnolia? Uh, I say, yeah, Magnolia, right? Yes. Um, yeah, like what was your reason for choosing that? I mean, 2014, you can work anywhere. You can literally pick where you want to work with a degree from Syracuse in hospitality, right? Mm-hmm. Why Magnolia? I loved bakeries. I still do love bakeries. Um, I really like treats. I actually always had a little vision of opening my own bakery. So I thought that starting in someone else's bakery would be a great way for me to learn about what that would take and and what that looks like. So I was actually focused on cafes. So there was a dream. There was a dream. <laughs> uh, the bakery is called The Love and Oven, and it's still a dream. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we'll see if we get there. Um, but That's yes. That's a great name, The Love and Oven. I love that. <laughs> um, so what were you, like, was it going to be like like treats, like artisanal sourdoughs? Like what was it? My vision? Yeah. It was really, it was cupcakes. I mean, I know, you know, at the time in 2014, cupcakes were like very trendy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure if it was just because of that. And I was just really into it. I do. I love cake. It's my weakness. Frosting. I love all that stuff. So I just wanted to create really simple, good cookies, cupcakes in just a cute, I don't, cute is a silly way to describe something, but you know, when you think of a bakery, it's like purples and blues and whites and pastels. And that was, that was the vision. I hadn't really, you know planned it out that far but in the at the time that was it so magnolia um i know it's a really well respected brand um mm-hmm. th- what were their they were more like artisanal sandwiches and stuff like that no or no they're actually doing i mean they were doing cupcakes oh, you know okay. they're very well known for their cupcakes um and cakes they have muffins cookies um pretty high level you know different flavors each season um coffees lattes that's what they're doing. So it really was a perfect place for me to start yeah. learning, you know, yeah. is this what I want to do? So um, after a year, how are you feeling about your love and oven concept? I definitely realized it'd be much harder than I thought to open a bakery. <laughs> what were the things you learned? What were the realizations? Um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of competition um, in that market. Um, you need to be really unique and really great. Not to say that I didn't think that I could be. Um, and not to say that I don't think I, I still can be one day. But, you know, I think one thing that opened my eyes, I, I, as I spent more time around, you know, the sugar and the cupcakes and all of those things, I kind of realized um, I wanted to try something different. Not to say that I've come now to, you know, some sort of health concept where we're not around sugary things. Um, but I just, 
I wanted to keep that as more of a hobby and a treat for myself. I still do really enjoy going to a great bakery, you know, having a piece of cake or whatever it may be. But I, I want to keep that uh, separate from what I do every single day. So after a year with Magnolia, like how did stickies come onto your radar? It's actually so funny. I was living across the street uh, from the location in Murray Hill on 33rd Street um, with a friend. And I I knew that it was the time for me. That was their first location, wasn't it? It was our second location. location. Um, And at the time, they only had two locations. So, you know, I knew it was time for me to leave Magnolia. I wasn't sure. How did you know it was time for you? I, I, I just lost the passion. You know, I was working a really, really... The passion for... Magnolia, not the passion for the industry right. um, in itself. I just felt like there Maybe. were cultural things that I wanted to do differently, and I wanted to be able to just explore other other restaurants and see, you know, what how they operate and what and who else is out there. Um, I don't know really how to explain it. You know, just felt like I was just ready for a new challenge. So it sounds like in just a short time we're talking and the, the little bit I do know about you, culture is a big part of what Huge. you love. The, the building a culture and management and leading others. Um, I'm, not, I'm not trying to talk smack about Magnolia, but like what was, what was missing there that you felt like you needed to find somewhere else? The focus on internal development, uh, really, I, I felt it was missing, you know, and I, it's funny that I say that because I, entered that company, you know, as a manager. And I'm sure people internally might have thought that same thing when they saw me come into the company. Um, But I didn't feel like the people in the corporate office, you know, were focused on developing those in the restaurants. And at the end of the day, the people in, in the bakeries or the restaurants, they're the ones that are, you know, running the business for you. They're interacting with the guests, they're representing the brand, and they should be, you know, the highest value and I didn't feel um that way right. you know from the rest of the team again not to not to speak negatively right uh well Magnolia was pretty established at this point right like how long how old of an organization was it when you came on board uh yeah I think they were around for about seven or eight years okay. um and you know they they've had tremendous success and growth, you know, since I've left and even you know through my time there so it's just I think the company it was just going in a different direction than I was. Got it. Um, so you make this choice. Like at the end of your one year at Magnolia, like where are you at? Like as far as like what you think you're going to do was, did you still think maybe love and oven was like, or oven, loving love and oven, love and oven (laughs) was your, your goal or did that change? It definitely changed. And it's actually, it's funny. Um, I think, you know, I was feeling pretty burnt out overall at that time And I really thought that what I was looking for was an office role or an administrative role, but in the restaurant industry. I knew I wanted to stay in restaurants, um, but at the time I was like, you know, I don't, I don't want to be in operations or I I thought I didn't want to be in operations. So when I, you know, applied to Stickies, um, which I found actually on Craigslist, um, and I just thought it was like so funny that I was living across the street. I see this job post on Craigslist. My friends and I would frequent Stickies all the time. So I was just like, how funny would it be if I worked there? And one of my friends was like, you should try. Like, why not? And I was like, I should. So that's really, you know, how I ended up um, meeting John um, across the street from where I live. And I, I really started um, 
at the company in a more administrative assistant sort of role. I mean, the company was very small. It was basically three of us, you know, on the on the corporate team. And I was doing everything that John didn't have time to do anymore. You know, answering emails, writing Yelp reviews, interacting with catering customers. Um, and it was very much outside of the restaurants. We worked underneath one of our restaurants, so I did go to the store every day. Um, but that's what I thought that I wanted to do. And then, you know, I found out that that wasn't the truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said you started by saying you didn't want to do operations. Was that more like hands on? What do you mean by operations? How do, how do you interpret that? Correct. Um, you know, when I think about that, I mean, inside the restaurants, whether it's managing or just working inside the restaurants, I didn't I didn't feel like I wanted to be um, the one want, running the store. The one on the floor. Yeah, exactly. Your operating partner. Essentially. Exactly. Yeah. So in your mind, you're thinking, I want to do more of the digital facing behind the scenes admin work. Is that what? Exactly. Okay. And, and that's what you were doing. And then you realized that's not what you wanted to do. When did you come to that realization? And why? I came to that realization when we opened our third restaurant, um, in Hell's Kitchen in 2016. Um, first of all, you know, we were such a small company and I do think that we still all have this sort of approach where everyone's going to do whatever it takes, you know, to get the job done at the end of the day. If someone needs to wear a different hat or step into a different role, we're going to do that. So there were times where I was covering shifts in a restaurant because there was a call out or, you know, helping to deliver a catering um, because it was just so massive or whatever maybe. So there was always parts of me that were involved in the restaurant operation. When we opened our third restaurant, um, we didn't have a manager. There was no general manager. You know, it was, again, a small team kind of just figuring it out. And there was a lot of opportunity for me to spend time in the store. I found myself just bringing my laptop, putting it behind the line, you know, doing the administrative work they needed to do when I could, and then jumping on the line to serve the customers or answer the phone or whatever it may be. And I remember specifically uh, one day I was walking down the street, you know, with John and he was explaining to me that, you know, we're going to grow and and here's the opportunity. And he he asked me, do you want to stay in an administrative role or do you want to go into operations and help run the restaurants and I can hire someone else for whatever you pick? So I'm super grateful that he even gave me the opportunity to think about that and to make that decision. Um, I think I didn't realize how important of a decision that was at the time, but I, I ultimately chose to, to go into operations and, and help to run the restaurant um, with, with uh, the other manager. You know, we had kind of a multi-unit. We had three restaurants manager at the time, and, and him and I just partnered up um, to run all three restaurants together, and, and that's how we started our growth. Awesome. I think this is a good spot to take our first break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back to talk about your growth with Stickies since. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often, Restaurant Systems Pro. If you've become interested, I highly recommend you sign up for the Restaurant System Pro 60-Day Pilot Program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals. 
recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time, these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. RestaurantUnstoppable.com slash RSP. This episode is brought to you by Margin Edge. Margin Edge is a restaurant management software that helps you see your food and labor cost in real time so you can make informed decisions in the moment. Just snap a picture of your invoice and Margin Edge will process them within 24 to 48 hours with line item detail, including handwritten adjustments. This allows you to save hours on paperwork so you can spend more time on creating great guest experience. Margin Edge combines purchases from your invoices and sales data from your POS, which allows you to get real-time costing, get a daily controllable P&L, and send information directly into your accounting system. Margin Edge integrates with 60-plus POS systems and dozens of accounting systems. Manage everything from one central location, inventory, recipes, plate costs, ordering, and bill pay. Margin Edge was created by restaurant people for restaurant people. And as a matter of fact, Margin Edge founders continue to operate restaurants to this day. Head to marginedge.com slash unstoppable to sign up for a free demo today. That's marginedge.com slash unstoppable. We're back. And um, I do want to unpackage a little bit more this title that you had in 2015. I know we're kind of, we, you told the story moving on from your, your role as the director of customer experience, but like, what is that? Like, like what is the director of customer experience? Like that's such a cool role. It is very cool. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, I explained it as an administrative assistant because really that is what it felt like. Like I said, you know, we, we were a team of three. So to have somebody at a director level, it wasn't truly a director level. Um, it was, you know, when I was brought on board, I was brought on board to help the customer experience, help improve it. You know, we definitely, I mean, we always do have the opportunity to give greater service and make a bigger impact. And at the time, there was nobody on the team who was focused on that. And that, that means, you know, create training materials and review and improve the handbook and just set standards when it comes to the customer experience. And that was one of my first tasks. And that's really what I was, you know, hired to do. But as I said, it, it quickly evolved into kind of just like, however I can help the company, I'm willing to help. At one point I was running the social media, you know, yeah. I, I've, I've never run a company's social media, um, but I understood the brand and I was in the restaurant. So why not take pictures and, and post on it? And, you know, I had restaurant experience so I could help cover the line or I understood catering and events, which is something I was exposed to at Magnolia. So why not try and capture catering customers? So it really, it was, the title was director of customer experience, um, but it, you know, well, it really was. Just, it is everything, I guess. Everything's connected, right? It's true. And when your job is to, if you're focused on the customer experience, 
how did how does that manifest? It manifests through the employees. Everything really, right? yeah. And everything, right? Like all the touch points. But really, like it's it's a matter of standardizing the way you do things and training people to be able to deliver that customer experience. And it also sounds like you're you're kind of doing a little bit of marketing in the sense of like when people were trying to reach out to you, you'd be like like engaging them digitally, right? Um, exactly. So, I mean, it's just really kind of interesting because this is when Sickies was at two locations. So it was still early on in there. I think they opened in 2012. Correct. So this, so how long were they at the second location when you came on? So I joined the company in 2015. So it was just over a year the store was open. Their second location. Yes. So it kind of gives you an idea of like where... Uh, Jonathan is during this time like okay like what's the future what do we need because he he knew he wanted to scale he told you he wanted to scale and you can see he's starting to put these elements in place these things you're building the house before you move into it you're getting the things like the training manual ready before you scale because you need that stuff dialed in you need the legs before you can move right exactly what am I missing I mean, not much. You know, that that's pretty much where we were. I think John was really looking for great people to help him do that. And that's what we had. We were a small team doing a lot of work. Um, and once we opened, you know, the, the third restaurant that Sticky's opened was opened by this core team that I keep referring to. And once we did that, it was like, you know, off to the races, like, let's open another one. Let's open another one. Of course, John, you know, had been planning on doing those things, but we had the confidence that we could execute it and we could handle it. And up until we had five restaurants, it was just, you know, us, us three or four. And we, we split the company in half. There was, um, one person who's actually still with the company today. Um, he was running the back of house. I was focused on the front of house. We divided and conquered and, and that's how we, started the foundation um, of what we are today. So yeah, kind of pay, paint that picture of what the organizational structure was. Like going into that third location, you said this was kind of like, this is when the dream team came together, right? And that's what, opening that third location was kind of the blueprint for like what the experience opening other locations was going to be like. So take us through that evolution at the third location and the different roles there were and how like that was all organized. Sure. So, uh, there was John who was, you know, really leading the ship. He was, uh, you know, the visionary and he, he knew what he wanted to accomplish. I was, um, starting to fill the role of front of house manager for all the restaurants. So I would help with hiring, you know, I would post the jobs, I would do interviews, I would, um, conduct training. And then we had, um, RB who is still with us today. He was really leading the back of house, um, right alongside some great kitchen guys that we also still have today. And they were, they were with John since restaurant number one. So we do have this core group of people who understand the brand like nobody else and have seen it grow. And at that time, that's, I think what played a huge part in our success and really still does. Um, and you know, we, didn't really know what to expect. I remember the grand opening of that restaurant. It was the first time uh, I was a part of the grand opening promotion. Um, and we had no idea what to expect. We were like, well, oh, we're just going to do, you know, dollar chicken baskets and we'll see who comes. You know, we didn't have a PR agency. I was doing the marketing. We kind of were just winging it. And we had a great real estate, you know. So um, what happened that day was really indescribable. You know, we had a line around the corner for about three hours straight. Uh, John and I were on the cash register. It was just absolute nonstop, you know, dropping fingers, pumping it out, meeting people, giving people this great experience and introducing them to our brand. And that was, uh, 
definitely a moment where I was like, wow, you know, stickies can be a thing. It can be huge. People love it. Who even thought that all these people would show up for, you know, our chicken finger restaurant and, and seeing that we were able to just figure it out in, in the moment and, and make it work and make it positive. Um, I think gave us a lot of confidence to know that we could move forward. Right. I, I meant to get the episode number. I want to say John was episode, we recorded in like July of 2022. I want to say he's like 906. So if you guys want to go check out that episode, just uh, what's his uh, last name again, Jonathan? Um, Sherman. Sherman. Just Google search restaurant unstoppable, Jonathan Sherman stickies. It was a great episode. Yeah. Um, and he gets into a lot of the details that kind of the stuff that you're getting into now. Um, so, you were promoted to regional manager, right? So you went from uh, director of, of guest experience to regional manager. And in this, this point of the story, it sounds like your focus is on um, getting the third location front of house operations. Were, were, you, were you focusing on front of house on the other two too? Or? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, um, you know, until we had five re- restaurants, we didn't have we didn't always have general managers in every restaurant. So um, it was kind of just like a uh, super GM, you so know, you're the super GM for these exactly. Four so you're overseeing four all four restaurants with the help um, of the rest of the team. You know, I was focused in front of house. We had people who were focused in back of house and we were kind of doing it all for all of the restaurants. Got it. What were your, your biggest challenges reflecting back during this, like a couple year period from like 2015 to 2000, uh, or is it sorry? It was 2017 to 2018 that you had this title of uh, dr- district manager. Like, what were the challenges for the organization from your perspective through your lens? Uh, you know, creating structure. We 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 were growing really fast and doing a lot of things. You know, overseeing four locations and trying to continue to grow the company. We didn't have a lot of things in place that we have now, and I probably didn't realize at the time how helpful it would have been to have them in place. Like what? Um, just, you know, standard operating procedures, more handbooks, um, different policies. A lot of the training that we were doing was just word of mouth. You know, I was opening the restaurant. I was going to train every crew member, so I, that's just how it went. But we didn't realize the importance of putting the logic behind everything that we do on paper um, and making it feel really important to everybody else. And that's something, you know, that I've definitely learned over the years. Can you take us through this process and like really what, what that looked like, where you were just before doing this and where you, like, what was the before and after? Like really kind of paint that picture. Uh, trying to remember all the way back then. But you didn't, yeah, <laughs> you know? but the, you're absolutely right. The, the significance of these standard operating procedures and putting things down. I'll be honest, like this is something that I'm struggling with right now at Restaurant Stoppable. I mean, it's only four, three people, but I, th- I just know that if I want to start doing other things, if I want to hire other people, like I need to know how to do everything as like the CEO and founder of Restaurant Unstoppable. But eventually you need to remove yourself from these different roles and outsource to people who are better than you are. And they need to know that this is the way, like this is like follow this process. This is how we do it. Exactly. It's very easy, you know, when you have the vision and you've done it before to just say, let me just do it. Let me just train every single employee, you know, let me just open the restaurant. I'll just take the phone call. I'll just do all these things. And when you step back and start teaching someone, okay, you know, 
do it this way, it's really important to teach them why it's important to do it that way. And that's something that I don't, I don't think come nat- comes naturally or, or is as obvious to everybody. Um, you know, for example, you know how to, you know, set up all of your gear, but it's really important that the camera is in the right place so it's not blocked by the sun or so that, you know, you're in the, in the right view. And explaining that much to people is, is what it's all about. So, you know, when we're training people, it's like if you put the chicken in the box the wrong way, it's not going to fit and it's going to be a bad experience and maybe it will fall out. But if at that time we were just saying, put the chicken in the box, you know, and then as we grew and we saw people doing it different ways or people having different experiences, it really became obvious to us. Is it's, it's not enough to just say, this is how you do it. It's a, why is this important to stickies and why is this going to, why is this detail going to make or break the experience that we're trying to create? Got it. So when you were first building out these, these systems, where did they live? Was it just paper in a, a notebook? Has it evolved since? Yes, it has evolved. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, you know, literal back of the envelope sometimes. Um, it was paper, Excel, you know, notepads, what basically wherever we could, wherever we could go, then it kind of evolved, um, into Google Drive, which we still use now. And, um, we have a digital LMS. So, you know, what is your digital LMS? LMS. What is that? We currently use Wisetail. Um, so it's a just learning management system. It's for training. So everybody, you know, if you're a new crew member, your first day, you get a username, you sign in and you have everything that you need to know to be successful at Stickies. And it takes you through digital modules of everything that you're going to do. So before day one, if you're going to learn about the menu, you're going to first read about the menu before you get on the floor so that once you're on the floor, you're a little bit more familiar with what you're seeing and it's not just total shock and brand new to you. So we built that out um, in 2019 and we're still, you know, refreshing it and adding to it and wondering, is this the right system for us today? Is this going to be the right system for us in five years? Um, So to see the evolution and to step back and think, okay, I remember when I was, you know, writing this in a Word document and just printing it out and handing it to someone. It's amazing to see now, you know, how far we've come. Right. Well, it's, it's, um, as you're talking, what I'm, what's going through my mind is like, we are right now talking to the director today. You're the, the CEO as of July, you're the CEO uh, of Sticky's the interim CEO, but uh, before that, you you you, were, you went from uh, customer experience to d- uh, district manager. Uh, you're in that role for about a year, two years, and then 2019, you were the director of operations, and then from 2000 uh, after 2019 to, to to just recently, you were the vice president of operations. So I think it's what I love and what's going through my mind is okay. What has been the evolution of these different vertical, like these different like branches, right? We're talking about the operations branch right now, systems, processes, procedures, protocols. Where was that when you came on? What is it today, right? And you kind of got into that, and now you're talking about you're using Wisetail. But like, what were the different like steps from going to? I think you kind of spelled that out too. You went from like just pen and paper to like sticky notes to Google Drive. Um, but are we missing any, like if you're, if somebody has to go through this, like what, have, what did you learn? Like what mysteries can you take out of this for the listener before we move on to like the next subject? I think the thing that you need to really think about is the bigger picture. It's very easy to be in the moment and say, well, you know, this is how we are today. So it's fine. And yes, there are going to be some things that that is fine. But when you're thinking about building systems and evaluating technologies or whatever you're using, you need to sort of have, you know, be able to look really forward and say, is this going to work if I have 25 restaurants? Is this giving me the insight that I need to make the best decisions for my team and for my customers? And that I think is something that 
we didn't always have. And maybe that's because we didn't realize, you know, uh, the potential for stickies. And as you grow and learn, it's like, oh, I wish I could understand this more about my customer or I wish my team could have access to this, you know, more easily. And thinking about putting the structure in place to accomplish that at an early time in your company, I think is really key. Yeah, there's a saying, treat your little business like a big business. Yeah. Uh, think about where you want to be and start seeing the world through that filter. Uh, because if you start, if you, it's all about perspective, right? And if you want to scale, if you want to get to 20 locations, what does, start thinking like a 20 location operator because you're going to need to start seeing the world from that, that perspective if you, if you want to get there. And as soon as you make that mental shift, it's like something inside of you changes and like, all these things that we're doing now are holding us back to being that 20 location operator. Right? Exactly. Where is Stickies today? I think when I spoke with um, John last year, you were at 13 locations. So we have 14 locations okay. now. You might have talked to him right before we opened our most recent store in Yonkers. Yonkers. Yeah, so this we is opened the store in the Cross that was County Mall. when I was here last. Was this the, the most previous yes, new location? Yes, that was yeah, our most recent opening. Right yes, yeah. we are. Um, another great store. But yeah, we opened in Yonkers last summer, and that location has gone uh, through a lot. It was a, a different operational model that we have in the rest of our restaurants. So is it was a huge learning opportunity for all of us and it is one of our uh, top performing restaurants right now. What was different about the model? So what's different about the model is the customer is ordering first um, at the register and then uh, we're preparing their order whereas now it's kind of the opposite more similar to a Chipotle model where you're walking down the line with the employee on the other side of the line preparing your dish and then um, checking you out. Is that the model going forward for all future cities? We are trying to decide that actually, you know, it's, it's a, it's a crucial decision that we make right now and really understanding what gives the best customer experience, what gives us the most control over our kitchen flow and how can we staff and, you know, all the things that go into it. It's, it's our only restaurant built that way. So it's just a small, uh, piece of data that we have, but it's definitely something, you know, we're, we're trying to decide before we open our next restaurant. I'm looking at the menu behind mm-hmm. you as you're talking. <laughs> you can probably figured that out by now, but yeah. I'm like trying to think like, um, like how did I'm trying to combine the, my understanding of Chipotle and what they do with like layered salads and like chicken fingers. Um, like what? So the, I'll just clarify the, the, the reason I compared it to Chipotle is because you don't pay until your food is already finished. Right. So, um, it's not the same in a sense of like you're layering a salad bowl or something like that at Stickies. You, you're still choosing a menu item, but you're not paying until you already chose your sauce, you chose what type of chicken you want, and your meal is in the bag, and then you're paying for it. Um, rather than telling the person at the register, hey, I want you know a three-piece chicken finger combo with a Diet Coke and, and two sauces, and then you pay, and then you move to the end of the line, wait, and then you're given your bag. So what are the benefits to this new model that you're taking, the Chipotle model, where everything's done at the very end after it's been made and there's like food like ready to be passed over to them? Throughput, you know, we can definitely um, increase that and give a little bit of a different experience where customers can modify their orders a little bit easier. And that's something that we take into consideration. Opportunity as, for upselling. Exactly. Definitely yeah. opportunity to upsell um, and customize. You know, as we go into new markets, people are not going to be as familiar with what they want. So they might need that moment at the register to kind of ask questions or be guided in the right direction. Um, and that's it's really a model that more customers are, are familiar with, to be honest. Um, it's we want a better to, model. 
Yeah. I think, personally, <laughs> like when it, especially when it comes to throughput and it's more interactive, it's more hands on. It's not as transactional as like, tell me what you want. It's like, hey, like, let's go on this journey together. And like, I'm going to see you through to the very end. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, I'm interested. I, well, hey, in like another two years, I'll have to come back. And I don't know if I'll be talking to you or someone else, but um, I'd be interested to see how that 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 evolution has worked for you. For, for sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so, OK, we kind of went down this vein of like operations and like the evolution of operations and and how you're constantly changing. And, and you went from you shared like the technology you're using and how you're using Wisetail today. Anything that we didn't miss in terms of the of the evolution of operations that you think, like you just know you need to pay this little nugget forward. Yeah, I mean, to to our whole team, you know, the evolution of operations would not have been possible without having the great people that we have in our restaurants. Um, whether they, you know, helped us get from one point to another and then moved on to a different opportunity, or are still with the company, you know, we owe it all to them. Um, and we've, you know, gone from me and one other person running four restaurants to now all 14 of our restaurants have a general manager. We have two district managers. We have shift leaders and AGM. So we've really put a lot of time and poured um, our energy into our people to develop them and give them opportunity. And, you know, we've had probably half of our management team has been internally developed and promoted and half of them have been, you know, just great people that we found we wanted to bring into the mix. Um, But we never would have been able to scale to what we are now and even more with the model of just, you know, super GMs. So I totally owe it to everyone who makes it happen every day. Well, this is when I was talking to Paul, he was like, you really need to talk to Jimmy because (laughs) she could speak amazing on, or she could speak to her amazing ability to build culture and to be a leader. And that's kind of where I wanted to go to next. So just like we went through this, this evolution of systems and processes over time, where were you in 2017 as the district manager and your ability to lead into foster culture? Like what, what was the challenge then? Like, what were you trying to like, get back into that like mindset of what you were facing at that time? Well, I've totally, you know, changed over the years. So, Ooh, you know, evolution. I love it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my style in 2017 is probably something that I would tell people maybe not to do now. Um, but that's because, you know, that's what I knew, you know, that's what we were doing. That's what was working. It was very hands-on, maybe a little bit micromanaging. Everything needed to be a certain way and didn't really, I wasn't empowering and trusting people the way that I do now to just make decisions and do what they need to do. But the company was also very small then, too. You know, so even though we were growing, we were all in the restaurants every single day. So it is kind of hard to let go. And something that I've learned, you know, as you grow and enter new levels of leadership, you have to be able to let go and trust the people underneath you and give them the tools that they need to be successful because you're never going to be able to do it all yourself. So was it a challenge for you to let go? What was the specific challenge for your growth? What was the thing that was holding you back? Yeah, de- definitely to let go, you know, to, to feel okay with somebody else running the show in the restaurant. And how did you get over that? Like what things happened for you to be okay with it? Uh, I think I just saw the success. You know, I, I, I hired great people. I taught them, you know, the right and wrong things to do and just built genuine relationships with them so that they knew that they could ask me when things were wrong. You know, I'd much rather have somebody raise their hand and say, hey, I'm not sure how to do this or I think I made a mistake, you know, right away than 
sweep it under the rug and, and create bigger problems. So just creating that type of relationship with people to empower them uh, gave me the confidence to be able to say, okay, you know, other people can do this, so now I can focus on whatever else it is to, to focus on, which ultimately is just helping them, hopefully. Yeah. Um, when you give responsibility away, what is the thing that's keeping them on track from doing the job right? Or it... To, keeping them doing the job right, I should say. That's a great question. I think, you know, uh, timely feedback, uh, lots of touch points, lots of communication, just to say that you're going to give someone more responsibility and elevate them into a new role doesn't mean that I'm going to stop talking to them, you know, and stop being there as much as I have been. So trying to create that culture of, like, it's okay if I'm in your restaurant, you know, you're not in trouble. We're just, we're hanging out. We're figuring out what's going right. We're figuring out what's going wrong and just being vulnerable and honest and real. That's my style. Um, and I think that that encourages people to, like I said, you admit when they made a mistake and not feel like they're going to get in trouble as long as we're learning from it. Right. And creating that culture and establishing that, like I want to, I don't like, it will be worse if you, if, if I find out about this later because something hit the fan. Right. Like, yeah. And if, you know, if, if <laughs> like, let's like, let's keep the stuff from hitting the fan. That's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> like, just tell me when the stuff gets out and then we'll put it back where it belongs. Right. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the mistakes that we can make in our restaurant, they're going to be OK. Yeah. You know, we're ch- we're serving chicken fingers. We're in a fun place. We're interacting with customers. If you make a mistake, we can fix it. And I think giving people um, that just like sense of relief and and confidence to know that it it's going to be okay. Right. We're going to figure it out. As long as you tell me, I want everyone to be successful. You know, why, why wouldn't we just, you know, get back on track together and, awesome. and make it right. Yeah. Also creating a system for fixing problems. Totally. Like if something happens, this is what you do. Like there's a, like a protocol for this. Exactly. Right? And you, you know, we, I've learned most of those, if that, then this just, just through experience and just having, again, that experience say, Oh, I've dealt with this before. You're going to be fine. Here's what to do. And, you know, creating, creating more support, whether it's a, a tool that they can reference or a tool they can use or making a hire, you know, of, you know, uh, somebody who can teach somebody else new skills or, you know, for example, where my head is really like a human resources hire. If we hire people who have different skills, they can support um, the operations team to make better decisions and help jump in when help is needed. Yeah, I think also just creating that safe space, being the leader you are, like you mentioned, you're vulnerable, transparent, honest. Were those the three things that you yeah. um, what What happens when you are vulnerable, transparent, and honest? How, how does that affect the culture of the space? I think it builds trust um, because people can see I'm not afraid to admit that I don't know the answer. Uh, I'm not afraid to admit, you know, let me get back to you. I need to kind of ask someone, you know, what they think or look for advice. And it just show it. I hope, you know, it shows people that they can do that, too. Right. And I think that a lot of time people, whether already they're already in leadership positions or aspiring to be um, a leader, they feel like they have to have all of the right answers. And that's just that's just not reality. You're yeah. not going to get the answers without the experience. So let's just go through the experience yeah. together and, and figure it out. And why don't people usually bring things to you in like traditional sense, right? It's because of the backlash, the exactly. fear, the anxiety of like, I fucked up. Exactly. Like, I honestly don't 
I I don't remember the last time I was like angry at someone. You know, yes, things happen and people mistakes are definitely made. And there are times where I wish that things went differently, um, you know, on whatever type of level. But staying calm, I think, through all of that and the good um, is what creates that safe space. Nice. Um, so anything that you want to talk about in terms of unpackaging and leading and developing culture, things that you think you do exceptionally well here at Stickies that we can try to recreate in our own business. Yeah. I would love to talk about, um, the belt. So recently, um, we introduced this gold plated, you know, four or five pound wrestling belt. Nice. Um, and Is it real gold. No. You can say yes. <laughs> yes. For all the people that work here, yes, it is. It's truly cool. Take care of it. <laughs> um, so uh, we introduced this in the beginning of the year, and it's basically a way that we can acknowledge our best performing restaurant for the month. And it doesn't only mean financially. There's a lot of different decision uh, factors that go into deciding who gets the belt. Um, what and are those key KPIs? We look at all different things every month. We look at uh, employee turnover on the store level. We looked at, at your um, online scores, guest feedback, cleanliness of the restaurant, administrative you know, tasks. Are you putting your invoices in on time? Are you, you know, doing your deposits, closing out the night correctly? So kind of everything that goes into just running a great restaurant. They get scored. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we introduced this belt, you know, in the beginning of the year, and it was the first time that we really started as a group looking at financials. So we started rolling it out, and it was really tied to financials. And the first one was kind of like the winner was a little bit shy, you know, they didn't really know how to act, and it just evolved into this um, amazing experience. Where actually our our last uh, meeting for last month, we were going through uh, the financials, and as we go through it, I try to give shout outs to everybody. You know, I always say you don't need to be in the top performing restaurant. But if you're improving your own restaurant period over period, then that's success as well. So you could be, you know, in, in the bottom performing restaurants out of, out of all 14. But if you did better but relative to you than your week, own self, yeah. you're still doing a great job. So I always try and, and give people that sort of recognition. And, and the winner um, of our belt, who I'd love to talk about a little bit more even, um, as I would call her out, she was, you know, telling the rest of the group, you know, I tell my team, we're going to bring home the belt. This is how we're going to bring home the belt. And I was like, wow, I didn't even realize, you know, exactly. (laughs) See, it applies to everything. Um, And, you know, when I finally got to announce that, that she won the belt for her team, I was just so excited myself. And she stood up and she got emotional and it made me emotional. I think it made everyone in the room emotional. And in that moment, I was like, wow, people really care. You know, this is it could have been just like a, it's a it's a silly little belt. It's very cool, but you know, at the end I of the day, it's a belt. I, I'll show you a picture I was of it. Say, if you guys have uh, any video of like people like holding the belt, or anything, yes. I'd love to have that B roll going. A hundred percent, I will send you that. Yeah. You know, so speaking of video, um, you know, the belt is symbolic of just you know being a great team and being a great restaurant, and you get to take it back to your restaurant. You display it, you keep it clean, however you want to do can it. You wear it behind the line. You can wear it. <laughs> yes. yes, I've seen people wear it around their Over waist, their washing tables. It's amazing. It's it's so awesome to see. And so we also have incorporated this um, have video. So we have so much fun. So we have our director of crew and culture. He um, does photography, a little bit of videography. I don't think he wants to travel, but um, <laughs> um, on the side. 
And so he's really passionate about that. So the winning team of the belt gets um, to spend one whole day with him over the next month where they get to decide, uh, they get to make a video basically. And it could be anything. Um, and they get to brainstorm, you know, what they want to do, where they want to go, how they're going to do it. And he'll film whatever they want. And it's become even more of a thing than the belt of like, what's our video going to be? And then we post it in just, it's, it's become a really great way to build, you know, a uh, competitive, a competitive edge into into our culture while also just having really fun. You don't need yeah. to be competitive and be like, I'm going to beat you. You know, I'm going to get the belt. It's more of like, wow, I can't wait to get the belt and we're going to make this great video and everyone in the restaurant, you know, from back of house to front of house management is just super proud to have is it. Is there a book on the power of having something like this? Like, where did you learn? Like, who had the idea that we should have a belt that we pass along to the source? I do have to give credit to Paul. Paul <laughs> Paul bought the belt. Um, Paul had the belt. But there definitely, you know, are uh, learnings behind having you know, physical symbols uh, throughout Paul, your culture. That's Paul Ka- uh, Paul Tunerman. Yes, Past Paul Tunerman. Guest. Yes. Uh, well, repeat guest on the show. Um, and because uh, as you're, t- you're sharing the story about the belt, I can't help but think of like w- this trend in uh, with football teams right now. College. I don't know if it's in the pros, but in college for sure. What they do is they have the chain. Right. Whenever you make a big play or like you do something that's just like next level like mm-hmm. play, like they just bring out this massive chain. Right. That's like it's a fake like, you know, like thick, like blinged out. Yeah. It's like, swag. The Gives top. them the swag. Yeah. Yeah. This, but it's like this way to it's a way to see and recognize people. And really, at the end of the day, I think all we all want to be is seen and recognized for our hard works when you can create ritual. And that's really what you're doing is creating a ritual around seeing and recognizing people and just putting emphasis on it in a very real, genuine, authentic way. And I think that's the key. It can't just be like, get them the belt. No. Yeah. It has, you know, it's, it's like a whole 40 minute thing leading up to it. And then it's a whole month long celebration after it. So it's, it's not just, here's the belt. you know, the, the winner of the belt from the previous month stands up and hands it over to the next month. That's so it's a ritual. also, it's teamwork. Yeah. It's a ritual. It's teamwork. You're, you're proud of the next person to have it. You know, it's, we, but we think it's of strong feeling. cultures across the world. I'm not, and I'm saying like cultures, like different, like countries, you know, like they all have language. Mm-hmm. They all have rituals. Exactly. And, and when you can bake language, we're doing it, baby. We're doing it, baby. And rituals, <laughs> you know, like into your, your organization where like it becomes like a sense of identity and pride. And like it's that's just a great example of how to do that. What else? Anything else? I don't want to cut you short. Um, you know, I mean, that that is definitely something that has been not just impactful at the cultural level. It really has driven great results also. You know, our restaurants perform better because people want to win this, you know, recognition and have their chance to do it. So it's kind of just improved the company overall. Um, And I think another thing that I'd love to talk about is just the way that we are uh, giving people feedback and the way that we're training our teams to always have um, timely and authentic conversations with their team. We actually got rid of annual reviews at the end of last year. um, And we moved into a continuous coaching program. What's it called? Um, It's called the continuous coaching program. (laughs) Is is like, where did you discover this? Um, Again, you know, this is something that Paul and I spoke about, you know, at length and it's kind of like you have an annual review with someone and first of all, in the restaurant industry, if someone makes it to a year, that's pretty rare. Right. Um, so somebody can go, you know, their entire 
time at a restaurant and not get a review. Feedback. Exactly. Right. And that's probably why they're not there anymore. So we were really trying to figure out how we can change that and how we can encourage our general managers and make it just feel more natural for them to make time to meet with their team more often. So what does this program look like? So um, we have a online form, basically. Um, we made everything digital because, again, we really asked ourselves, we how is our team going to use this? You know, a lot of times we'll have a tool or an idea and it sounds really great to us when we're, you know, sitting in the office or at lunch and then dreamland. Exactly. And then you roll it out and no one ever uses it. And then you ask yourself three months later, why isn't anybody using this? And it's because it's not helpful or it doesn't, it's not easy for them to understand or, or whatever it may be. So we actually, um, rolled it we did like a little beta test with our with our team and asked them like how do you feel about this form is it easy for you to follow can you use it so now um, every 60 days the general managers will fill out the form um, for every single one of their employees and it's just a few quick questions you know how is this person performing are they meeting expectations Um, and then it asks you at the end to set a goal for them you know the goal can be anything from I want this person to you know take the next step into leadership or I want this person to learn how to make the strawberry lemonade. You know, it can be totally anything and then you really describe how you're going to help this person accomplish this goal. And again, it it just shows people that you can impact other people's lives in the most simple way just by teaching them how to make the lemonade when they didn't know how to do that gives them a new skill. If you're going to teach them how to become a leader, you know, that advances their career. Um, and then after they take the time to put the thought into it and fill out the form, then they meet with the with their employee um, and go over it with them and it actually has an empty space at the bottom for the team member to make comments and kind of tell us, how are you feeling? And what we see is most of the people are really just saying, thank you. You know, thank you for taking the time into me. I'm excited to learn how to make the lemonade or I can't wait to become a shift leader. And it's it was hard to get it going. Uh, but at the end of the day, a manager's, you know, top priority should be developing their people and this just gives them the structure coaches exactly yeah the the structure so the the it looks like this there's a uh, a form that is is it google docs google forms yes it is uh is it an actual document or like a google form it's a google form google form um each employee has their own form right yeah Uh, that form stays with them through their life cycle as an employee uh, in that form, you're measuring their ability. Are they are they meeting the expectations of the job, uh, and are they are they setting a goal, and are they working towards that goal? Um, what am I missing? That's pretty much it. Um, and then it's every sixty days. Yes. So you you revisit that form every sixty days. You're like like what can you like can you paint the picture of like if we want to recreate this like what am I missing in terms of like. So you're right to say that, you know, the form stays with the employee. You need to definitely be organized. The idea would be like, let's say after your first conversation, it's the next 60 days. It's not a brand new form, right? You need to work off of what was said in your original conversation. So a general manager should go back into the file and say, how did my conversation go last month? Okay, now what has happened since then? And it should it should ultimately tell the whole story of that employee's life cycle, right. you know, from start to finish. And it, it should just build upon where they're going. And, and hopefully it ends with, you know, taking the next step into leadership right. or, you know, being a, an extremely high performer. If that person doesn't want to step into leadership, that's okay. You know, you need to have people who are just fine where they are as long as they're high performers. And, and we're okay with that too. So I think, you know, to wrap it all up it's just that you leave the conversations feeling like it's a fluid conversation even though there's been 60 days between and the employee feels like 
they were they are seen and that that they're cared for that we're spending this time you know it's supposed to be undivided attention it's you and i how long uh you know it could be anywhere from five minutes to 25 minutes and again i think that goes to say there are some team members they just want to come to sticky they want to do their work and they want to leave and we totally respect that and we're grateful for them and we need people like that so that conversation might be uh, much shorter than somebody who's working towards becoming a shift leader, you know. Right. It's, Maybe it's, it's like, hey, um, you know, we we know you're struggling in engaging the guests. Right. Um, like, here are some areas of improvement. Like, let's focus on that over the next sixty days. And like, when you come back, like, we'll talk about how, like, I'll you give did you feedback and like all that stuff. Exactly. Um, I think the other thing too is like, if you do have somebody on your team who is a Jamie Greer who wants to grow within the industry. And like John did for you when you were walking down the street, mm-hmm. hey, um, we're going to go in this direction. You can continue to do what you have been doing or what else? Like, what do you, what growth do you want? Exactly. Like, what, what are you interested in? And, but you have to create the space and the time to, to probe and to, to find out what you have in your four walls already in terms of people and what they want and what their strengths are and how you can grow exponentially without even having to bring on anybody new, right? Yeah, and it goes back to what we were saying, you know, in the beginning of the conversation, a lot of people enter this industry and don't realize that they can make a career out of it. So during this time, you can really open the door to somebody who never even realized the potential that they had for themselves um, and really change their life. Yeah. Are you using any behavioral analysis on top of this to really, like, get a better understanding, like having your people take these assessments? Um, we don't at the store level. Uh, some, we do use assessments for uh, multi-unit restaurant managers and above, but we have not rolled them out yet uh, to the store level. Because I think like, if you were to combine that with what you're doing and really drilling down and finding out like the behavioral t- like types of people you have, not just your people, but also yourself, and then realizing like based off of the kind of leader I am and the kind of people that we ha- that we're working, like this is how I need to communicate with them. You know, like I would love to get there one day, and I, I totally I've seen the impact that it can make from you know doing it with the multi unit managers. Um, what are you using? We'll get there eventually. Um, we use an assessment that uh, Paul Tunerman again has used in the past, so uh, it's been super helpful. And again, that's even even still new. Paul's a great mentor. Isn't yes. He? What would you guys do? I love Paul for the record. Anyway, I do too. Yeah, he's pretty for the here. record. <laughs> <laughs> um, so man, I'm really loving the conversation. Um, we've kind of down, went down this, this rabbit hole of, of operations, um, how you built out your systems, how your systems evolved over time. We tackled leadership um, and just building culture. Um, anything we haven't discussed in terms of leadership and building culture that y- you think is good information that should be p- paid forward? I would like to acknowledge, you know, just um, this industry is is male dominated. There are a lot of uh, men in leadership roles and especially, you know, I have actually never had um, the pleasure of working really for a woman or having a female mentor. And this is not to say, you know, that all men um, lead the same way, but I, I am very passionate about um, creating a path for more women in the industry to have the courage and the confidence to take on leadership roles, even though you might be the only female, you know, in the room or in the meeting, it's tough. It's, it's, you have to have guts and you have to have confidence. And I think that, you know, as I've gone through it, there have definitely been times where I'm like, can I do this? Or how did I get here? Or should I be in this room? And the, the answer really is yes. Um, and I, I make it, you know, one of my goals to connect 
with everybody in the organization, but especially with the young female leaders, um, you know, that we have in our restaurants and just making sure that they understand that it's different for us, you know, as a woman to go through the industry, you just see things differently, you react to things differently and that makes it more challenging, but giving people the confidence and and showing them, you know, you can do this, you can be the only girl in the room and and have an opinion and, and lead the team. It's, it's super important for me. And I don't think I realized um, how important that was for me just until, until recently. Help me understand how you see things differently and how you feel things differently. Uh, I think personally for me, you know, I do not uh, lead with an ego. And I don't want this to sound like I think that, you know, men all lead with egos, but I, I've seen it, you know, and I, I think it's natural, right. more natural. <laughs> <laughs> I've worked with and for a lot of great men. Let me just make that clear. Um, but, you know, I just think that the, the female uh, perspective, it's just naturally different. Um, and it's a little bit softer and it might be a little bit more vulnerable and you can just relate to, to things differently. And I, I think it's important to always have a woman in the room, you know, when, when a decision is being made um all perspectives should be there and that's something that uh i just i think it makes a difference and and i think it's important um i love that and um i honestly love working with women if i'm being like i surround i like to surround myself with women i think for those reasons though because i tend to be more vulnerable as a than most men right and i and i feel safer with women honestly Mm -hmm. being having that safe space feeling like i can be vulnerable and um I'm not, I don't know. Like it, there's some truth to what you're sharing from my perspective, at least. Great. I'm glad yeah. you can agree. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so as, as for, for men, what would you like to see men do better to be able to create a better space for women? I think just, you know, let, let their guard down. It's okay to be emotional. Sometimes yeah. it's okay to relate to somebody who's having a hard time. I think something, you know, that everyone really needs to do better is just make people feel more at ease and make people feel more comfortable and understand that all feelings are okay. You know, just because you can't relate to someone who's like really frustrated that they can't get the job right or really, you know, going through something that might be affecting them one day, it's okay to have those moments and it's okay to um, let that emotion show. You know, I think we're all taught like, don't be emotional, don't show how you're feeling, you know, straight face. And yes, that's, that's true to a point, but I think that to really make an impact and, 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 uh, make people feel like they want to do better you have to acknowledge that like this is tough you know we get it yeah um we're gonna take one more quick break and thank our sponsors and we'll be back to talk about where is stickies today and where stickies is going and uh i would like to talk about where you are and maybe where you're going as far as a professional and how you're evolving awesome This episode made possible by Owner.com. Owner.com is the quickest and easiest way for your customers to order directly from you without the expensive 30% commission fees. With Owner.com, you'll save thousands every month when customers order through your website and branded app instead of third-party delivery apps and reward your customers with a built-in loyalty program that turns them into regulars who order again and again. Owner.com also helps you rank higher on Google with world-class search engine optimization built specifically for restaurants with an AI-powered website. 
We cannot forget lists. Build a huge list of people who live near your restaurant fast and market to that list on autopilot with text and emails sent at the perfect time to help you grow sales and stay top of mind. Owner.com gives you everything you need to grow and market your restaurant online with no contracts or hidden fees. Visit owner.com slash unstoppable right now to book your free demo and see why thousands of restaurant owners trust owner.com to power their restaurants online. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Technologies, Inc. RTI's total oil management automates your entire cooking oil process. With total oil management, you get dependable fresh bulk cooking oil delivery, filtration plus oil usage monitoring and reporting, easy oil disposal, used cooking oil pickup and recycling, and say goodbye to those messy, dangerous restaurant rendering tanks. Yuck. RTI's end-to-end cooking oil system helps you manage your used cooking oil disposal, storage, collection, and recycling conveniently, safely, and cleanly with no upfront cost. RTI's services are not limited to oil. They also provide insurance premiums and automated hood cleaning solutions plus hood filtration systems, making your hood cleaning process easy, automatic, and worry-free. In addition to all this, Restaurant Technologies, Inc. can help you reduce your carbon footprint, which we all know is becoming increasingly more important to the consumer. Restaurant Technologies, Inc. is always on, so you don't have to be. To learn more, head to rti-inc.com and let them know Restaurant Unstoppable Podcast sent you their way. All right, we're back. And um, the last time I spoke with Stickies, I was speaking with Jonathan, and a big conversation uh, that came from Jonathan was he was constantly replacing himself with other people. Like, and that's like getting into this mindset of like, you know, spell out the roles like what it was everything i'm doing put a name to that role delegate responsibilities to that role and then once that role is like invented like like hand it off um but i i think it's a great lesson that like you need to be able to build your business to a place where if you don't have systems and processes and built around every role including the ceo like their goal should be to be able to remove yourself completely from the organization or at least have the option to do that if you need to so like what was that like, like that, that transition from going from director of operations to CEO? Um, you know, first of all, I do want to say, I think that it is a reflection of a successful leader For sure. um, to be able to do that. Like you said, you know, I think even, you know, at the restaurant level and all the way up to CEO, if you can have your team run without you there, you're doing a great job in my opinion. And that's something that we teach to restaurant managers and multi-unit managers, you know, and above. So um, the fact that someone in, you know, such a high position can step away and and the business can uh, keep the wheels on and keep moving forward, I think is only a positive reflection on, on whoever that person may be. Um, no, the, the transition has been interesting, you know, lots of ups and downs, lots of learning, um, new experiences. You know, we are really trying right now to continue to build the foundation. You know, we spoke about what it was like to build a foundation from two stores to four stores. And now we're thinking about doing that from 14 to 25 stores or even 14 to 15. Honestly, you know, we need to really be true and honest with ourselves and say, is what we're doing right now working? Are the tools that we have in place giving us the information that we need? Do we have the right people? Do we have the right menu? You know, everything that that we're doing, we need to 
honestly evaluate and and get it right um, so that when we go to a new market and when we continue to expand and get ready for this next growth spurt, we are true to stickies and we can bring people everywhere that great sticky experience. Yeah. This is, might be a little bit of a personal question, but you do have the title interim CEO, meaning for now. Yes. That's how I interpret that. Is it because you don't want that title? No, definitely not. Okay. You know, I mean, I, I uh, definitely feel self-aware in, in where I am in my career and the experiences I've had and, and have not had. Um, interim, it, you know, I am helping the company do exactly what I just explained and um, find somebody who's had the experience to uh, growing brands successfully. You know, I've done pretty much everything um, at this company at one point or another and feel super confident in my ability to do that. But when you really think about what we want for our next step, um, you know, I'm sure again, if I was in that place and like, Hey, do it, we're doing it, baby. We'll figure it out. Um, but we really want to do it right. You know, you, you have one chance to, to do these things and, and having the guidance of someone who's done it, I think would, would just make sure that we totally do it right. And, and we're all, um, a part of, of that process. We are actually conducting, you know, town hall interviews with candidates and looking for people, um, who fit us, fit, within um, our culture and can get along with general managers and our CFO and multi-unit managers. You know, it's important that you can relate to everybody because just like going into a new market, you have one chance to get it right. This person, you know, we have one chance to find this right person um, because we're ready, you know, once, once they join the team to just take off. Yeah. So I had a question for you. It was locked and loaded and I lost it. Oh man, it's so hard to keep track of your questions while listening at the same time. It's a skill. People who can do it well, man. Uh, Envious. So, oh, right. <laughs> but I think what I was curious about is, um, oh yeah, here it is. So you were a vice president of operations, right? Was that the title? Vice yes. president of operations. Um, and you are now CEO. What was that transition from going to vice president of operations? And I, I still honestly don't fully understand titles. Like, And I feel like the more I talk it's to true. people, I'm like... These are all just made up like <laughs> because they're all different. Like there's no standardization. Yeah. To like, but for you, like what was it like? Like what was like the world of being a vice president of operations versus a CEO? How's your life different today? Uh, to be honest, it has definitely changed. It has not changed as drastically as I thought that it would. And maybe that's just because, you know, I was unsure of what it would be. Um, but the main difference is just being involved in the higher level parts of the company. Where are we going? Um, exactly. And, and being the one to lead the strategy and, you know, make the decisions for those things rather than, yes, being a part of it, um, but mainly executing, right. you know, and taking the message back to the, back to the teams in the restaurants. It's more of, okay, what are we doing? And it's, you know, I have to figure that out. Of course, it's not just me. And I, I would love to shout out everyone that I've surrounded myself and, and have on my team. I don't, I don't see this as, you know, um, I went from vice president to interim CEO and it's just, it's just all me doing everything. I stickies would not be able to be in the position that we are. And I would not be able to take on the rest of the responsibilities if I didn't have great people around me helping out, figuring it out with me and, and doing what they do every day so well. Um, so it, it hasn't really felt like such a huge leap. It kind of was just like, okay, you know, I also have 
a great structure in the operations team. I have two district managers. They run the show. You yeah. know, they got it. I don't have to worry about them. And the fact that I had that confidence, I was like, okay, I have the bandwidth to take on more because my team, I have nothing to worry about. And, and that's given me... Um, the time and the confidence to, to learn everything else. So we're at the point of the conversation where I like to talk about, you know, we talked about you and stickies and your evolution and stickies evolution, where you were, how you got to where you are today. Uh, where are you today? Where is stickies today? Like what, what are the biggest challenges today? Uh, today we are really focused on refining our brand and kind of, like I said, really understanding who we are. You know, I think it's, it's funny because we've been asking that question to a lot of people internally and everyone is always like, it's the stickiest vibes. It's just cool. It just is. And we have to be able to put that into more descriptive you, words, yeah, right? You bottle this. Right. You can't just go, you know, to a brand new market and say, it just is because nobody knows what that means. So really forcing ourselves to go a little bit deeper and understand what is it that makes, gives people that feeling. It's um, people. It's people. I, yeah. I, I totally agree. It's people um, and it's, it's great food. You know, one thing that we're doing is um, figuring out how we can be more creative with our LTOs, our limited time offers. And we actually went back. Um, we were cleaning up the office and we found a copy of our very first menu um, from the 8th Street restaurant. and. We are going to frame it. It's laminated. It is kept in great condition. Um, and we were just reading over, you know, the different chicken fingers that we that we used to have. And as we're reminiscing, I was like, oh, that one was actually so good. Um, and yeah, the rest of the people yeah. in the room were like, why don't we just make it again? Yeah. And we had to do some R&D and I figure guess which out. One it was? Yeah, please. Was it the butterfly with stuff with cheese? Yes, How it is. <laughs> See? Okay, so we weren't that far off. So but at the same time, from a logistics operational standpoint, we can't do it throughput. the same way. Yeah. yeah. Like, so we're not doing it the same way. And you know, that's that's something that as we went through kind of this journey of figuring out, okay, this is what we want to do. We think it's gonna really resonate with our customers, it's gonna be a delicious experience. But our operation is so much different than it was, you know, ten years ago. Um, so how can we stay true to that dish and make a great experience? And it took us, you know, a few weeks of testing and trying different ingredients, um, and we really we landed on a deconstructed version of that dish. It's called the Bada Bing. It's a chicken parm, chicken finger, which is just delicious. Um, and we're going to be launching it later this month. So yes. you know, going back to our roots and creating delicious meals are just different that's what stickies is so why why is this so important to you so creative creating creative meals that are different that is what sticky is obviously it's and it's just the other stuff too that you're talking about it's just cool so much yeah yeah um i think those are the words you used (laughs) so why is that so important for you right now what why is this a burgeoning up why is this a part of the conversation we need to be relevant. You know, I, I, I think that over the last few years, it's been a very difficult time for us, for all restaurants, you know, and especially restaurants that were operating in New York City. And I think that as our focus was turned so much to how are we going to survive and how are we going to make it to the next day, we lost a little bit of that funky creativity that makes stickies cool right. and, you know, what it is. And, Bringing that back is not only fun for our teams and our brand where we are, but it's also just going to um, bring it back into focus again for as we grow. You know, something that I've been mentioning a lot is just preparing to grow. And, you know, we can't 
grow if we're not confident in what we're doing? Why, you know, why would we want to bring right. a dull brand um, to a new market? We want to do it the most energetic, the most proud, the most delicious, the most fun. Um, and that's what we're trying to just spark again. Right. You need to know who you are. So when you're going to other places, you can say this is who we are. And be proud of it. Right. And yeah. create systems and rituals around who you are. Exactly. You know, but you need to have that picture. You need to have that aiming point before you build the systems around it. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so when I last spoke with Jonathan, uh, the tech stack that he threw at me was uh, Toast Restaurant 365. I think you were using Lunchbox and Olo together. Lunchbox, and we still are. Okay. Um, and Customer I.O.? You're trans- transition to Customer I.O.? Yes, that's through Lunchbox. Got it. Um, so as the Vice President of Operations, I'm sure you ha- you were a part of these conversations. Um, is that is that tech stack the same? Has there been evolution to that tech stack to prepare for your growth? Uh, right now, today, it is still the same. Um, but we are actively evaluating everything that we use, you know, each part of that tech stack, um, and really asking ourselves, you know, do we use it, <laughs> number one? Um, number two, is it easy to use? Do we like to use it? And is it giving us the information that we need? And, you know, some... Um, some of those pieces, the answer is yes, and we love it, and we're going to stick with it, and it's totally you know, necessary for who we are and what we want to do. And other pieces, um, it's interesting to see what else is out there, you know, and, and that's kind of where we are right now. Again, just staying true to who we are, not doing something because you know this restaurant uses that platform and they love it. If it doesn't make sense for stickies or it's not something that we have the bandwidth to use efficiently or effectively we're not going to do it. And I right. think that's just getting, again, our focus back on track. We're doing it with our menu. We're doing it with our tech stack. And it that, I think, will also just, again, give us the foundation to be able to have the insight far away, whatever market we get into next, um, more clearly and, and with more useful information. So in terms of um, areas that you think could be improved using outsourcing to plugging in a technology, like what is one area of growth that you see be in an investment for stickies at 13 14 locations soon to be more and you're in that that phase of slowing down before you speed up right like what are the elements that you think could make you better uh definitely marketing um and understanding our customer on a little bit of a deeper level you know i think again right now a lot of us you know you pulled you know, five people from Stickies into a room, they could describe to you what our customer is or who they think we should be marketing to. But we don't really have um, the true data to actually prove that. And we're not using anything to go after those types of customers. So we need to be um, improving our digital presence and... Uh, well, I should say we should be first, you know, improving our digital presence and, and going out and finding new customers and communicating more with our existing customers um, digitally. And also, I think that goes hand in hand with improving our loyalty program um, and giving people a reason to come back and rewarding them, you know, for coming back and thanking them for being a loyal customer. These are all things that we're lucky, you know, I, I think that we're lucky that we have such a loyal fan base. You know, we have customers who come every single day or customers that, you know, recognize our team on the street and, and we've built that relationship and we're never going to stop doing that, but we need to um, make it a little bit better. And I think that's just a very competitive part of the industry right now. Everybody is figuring out how they can um, create a better loyalty system and, and structure it to their people. Are you a tech nerd, a restaurant tech nerd? Is this an area that excites you? I'm becoming one, yeah. I'll say. So who do you think's doing this well? 
who has your attention or am I making you show your hand right now? Does that scare you? <laughs> no. Um, you know, honestly, I have just really started to dive into all of this. So I'm still learning about what the options are. Um, I did have a great demo with thanks. Um, and they just really excited me about, you know, what we can do. And I honestly think I didn't even realize how deep you can get with your loyalty program um, and how customized you can be when you send offers to people, different offers to different people or on different days and you can change them, you know, and all of that has always been in my mind of like, oh, you know, from a customer perspective, I'm getting served this on purpose or I got this email because I'm a lapsed customer or whatever it may be. But at Stickies, we have not um, gotten to the point where we're that personal with people and that makes me really excited. So specifically, it's building on a loyalty program. Yeah. With Restaurant Systems Pro, I'm pretty sure there's a loyalty, not Restaurant Systems Pro, sorry. Um, Restaurant, sorry, Toast. With Toast, I'm pretty sure that there's a loyalty program built into that. I think also Lunchbox don't they have loyalty We do program? have a loyalty program. So I do I do want to okay. be clear, you know, we do have a loyalty program through Lunchbox, you are correct. Um, and I actually did uh, you know, just speak to them about kind of the improvements that they've made. So they are totally um, taking the things that I'm saying and implementing it into their uh, 2.0, which is also very exciting. I just think it's, you know, as these things are changing, the the technology needs to keep up with what people right. want to do and what with what uh, we want to do for our customers. So um, I do think that we're a little bit behind on that, but that's not to say that we don't do anything at all. Got it. Got it. Um, so where, where is Stickies going? Like what's the future? Like what, like what's important as interim CEO that you want to make sure that you bring to Stickies as like a standard going forward? Great food and great experiences. You know, it's, it's that simple. I think it's really important that as we grow, we don't lose the things that have made us successful to where we are now. And that's one of my biggest focuses is just setting the foundation and making sure that we're ready as a team and as a brand and as a restaurant for someone to, you know, enter the company and just kind of pack it up and say, this is what we've done. You know, here we are now, now blow it up, you know, take us to the next level. I don't want somebody to come in and be like, what are you guys doing? You know, like that, that wouldn't make me proud. And I don't think that would make our team proud. I think everybody in our company has an, tremendous sense of pride um, in what we do. And it's just about, again, putting it on paper, kind of what we were talking about, you know, at two restaurants, putting down the standard operating procedure. Now we're just putting down what what makes us sticky so that we can take it to to the next level. Do you know how many puns there are? Like, sticky I know. <laughs> like, the th- I could have so much fun with your brain. Yeah. Um, so Restaurant Unstoppable's mission is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. Um, we do that through sharing stories and, and perspectives and values from people like yourself how have you personally transformed who is jamie greer today versus jamie greer in 2015 (laughs) i'm just laughing because i've grown so much um you know and changed so much through uh each of these years and and sometimes when i look back and i think it's actually funny that i've done that alongside people who i'm still working with it's just you know I was 22 years old. Um, I'm, you know, I am young right now. I was young back then, doing what I'm doing. Um, and I think how you know something that I see within myself is just being more of an inspirational leader, trying to get people, you know, going and and giving them the confidence that they can do what they need to do again, rather than just trying to do it all myself. That that was a huge. Um, 
realization that I had to have within myself of how am I, I'm only going to get to the next level um, if I can make that change, but still, you know, have the understanding that I know what it's like to do everything in the restaurant, you yeah. know, and I think that's it's a blessing and a curse because I, I have done it all and I know what I can. So I can completely relate to everyone in the restaurant whatever they're doing, whatever I'm asking of them, I know it's challenging, but I know that you can do it also. Um, and it, it, it's challenging sometimes because like I said, you know, I've grown up with a handful of these people who have seen me when I was Jamie at 22, you know, working in the basement of Murray Hill to Jamie, you know, at 30 trying to, you know, run a company and prepare it for growth. And I think the biggest thing is just having the self-awareness and the ability to, communicate more clearly and empower people to, to do what they can do. Right. And as a 22 year old woman, you're not, your frontal lobe is still figuring. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it's not fully developed yet. I think that's something that we need to remind ourselves as like, I think for women, it's like 25 for men. It's like 28, 29, like that our frontal lobe, like it's part of that evolution of becoming a leader. Like you can't be a leader until you're self-aware and like, it's hard to be self-aware when you're, that part of you is still forming inside your head. Right. You know? So like, it sounds like you are for sure a, a much more self-aware, intentional leader today than when you were getting started. For sure. Yeah. Um, and how, if, if the mission statement is to change the world through inspiring and empowering and changing the industry, how does the industry need to change going forward? I think we need to be open to different types of people and different types of experiences. I know a lot of um, successful people in the industry have grown up in kitchens and people who grew up in kitchens have very specific approaches to things. And they think, you know, if you didn't grow up in the kitchen, then you can't be successful in this role. And, and um, it's, it's tough to open up. But I, I do think that there are a lot of people out there or people who just have different experience that can bring a lot to the industry. And I think that we just need to be more compassionate and, and more open-minded. And it's okay if it takes a little bit more time to get someone where they need to be because they're just a good person rather than looking for someone who can, you know, bust out the line and in the peak rush, you know, of course that's super important, but, um, we just need to be more open to, to getting people there rather right. than looking for people who are already there. Right. So a question I want, this is a new question. I want to start asking it more regularly, um, especially cause I'm on site. I'm in your restaurant. What's one thing that stickies does. That's just truly unstoppable. Something that you know is unique about stickies. Maybe it's something that I could capture if possible too. like the show. Like this is like something that's done that this is unstoppable. I think we've actually talked about a few things today already that are kind of unstoppable, but Definitely. I mean, yeah, this restaurant did win the belt. They did not this past one. So I can't show it to you, but I will send you, I will send you the photos, but I have to shout them out. The Hoboken team um, was one of the first few restaurants to win the belt. This is a great restaurant that we're at. So I'm happy that we're here. Um, I think across the board, something that makes stickies unstoppable and stand out from other concepts, especially other chicken finger concepts is that, um, we're making everything homemade in our restaurants. We don't have a commissary. Um, we don't have a co-packer. Every single restaurant is making 18 homemade sauces. We're, you know, um, using fresh chicken. We're making the marinade. We're putting it in the breading. Everything is extremely fresh. So no matter what restaurant you go to, um, you're getting something that was made, you know, really with love and, and with a lot of care and attention, not anybody can just do that. And I think that that's something that, uh, makes us unstoppable. Are you f- afraid to scale that? Is that scary for you to scale that? 
It's definitely, you know, there are concerns, but I, de- I, I think that that is something that we can put on paper as this makes us true to who we are. And maybe, you know, we'll get to a point where we have to change something about what we do. And that would be a great problem, you know, to have to solve. But I think for right now, we can confidently say, this is what makes us different. And, and we're going to keep doing that. So, uh, We'll figure it out. You know, we'll find great people. We got it. We're doing this, We're doing it, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And the last question I have for you, uh, and this is the last question before we wrap it up officially. If you got the news you were leaving this world tomorrow, all the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and your legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? It's, It's heavy. That is heavy. I would say to have fun every day um believe in yourself just do it baby and just do it (laughs) (laughs) awesome (laughs) this has been a lot of fun thank you so much jamie um who do you respect and admire in the industry uh this is really how i want this question to be restaurant stoppables north star uh who's doing it right who's who's making waves out there who if they were a guest on the show you'd be like sign me up i know you listened to the pinky cole episode who's the next pinky cole i need to get That is a very tough question because the first person that's coming to my mind really is Paul Tweenerman, and I know that he's been on your show multiple times, yeah. and we've mentioned him, but you know, he has been the greatest mentor to me, um, and he's accomplished a lot you know, in his career, um, but I just think that he's accomplished so much, but he can still you know, come back down to ground level and do it all again and really inspire those around him, and I think he's inspired everyone at Sickies that, that he's come in contact with. And I just, I'm extremely grateful, um, that he was brought into the company and that he was given, given me the opportunities he has. And, um, I just want to shout him out. We're shouting him out. There's no <laughs> women that are out there that you want, specifically want me to talk to. Cause I know that that's part of, it's important to you just to, to kind of create this inspiration for women in the industry. You can get back to me. I might need to get back to you. You know, it kind of upsets me to have to say that, but that's what we have to change. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, if, if we were listening to this today, uh, I know you guys have plans to, to scale pretty quickly, right? Uh, are you allowed to say what the, the goals are in the near future in terms of scale and opportunity? Uh, we're still figuring that out. Yeah. Um, but there is plans for scale in for the sure. future or else you wouldn't be trying to define who we are, right? Absolutely. Um, so if we do want to come join your team, and we've seen through your story that there is room for growth in this organization. Um, what's the best way to connect? Um, you can get on our website. We have a careers um, link. You can follow us on Instagram um, or you can you know, stop into any of our restaurants. We're definitely looking for great people at all levels to join the team. Thank you so much. This is episode 1035. Head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash 1035. We'll have a summary of today's discussion over there as well as how to connect with stickies and um, any tools or services that were recommended. Jamie, there is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you so much for having me. Cheers. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Jamie Greer, for coming on the show and offering a a different perspective, a new perspective. I don't know if I've ever had anybody on the show that has taken 
your journey. But the thing is, it's weird because you have a very common journey. Actually, that's not true. I've definitely had a few people on the show that have taken your journey. But I, I want more stuff like this. I love talking to the operations people because they're in it. They're, I mean, and we talked to a lot of visionaries, a lot of founders on the show. But at the same time, I think there's just so much opportunity for specialists in this industry. The people who are the rocket fuel, the people who are good in the dirt, the people who are, are good on the ground level, building things and leading and we can learn so much from these people and uh, congratulations on your new role as interim CEO. Um, just lots of great stuff came out of today's conversation. Thank you so much. And if you are enjoying this podcast and you want more interviews, just like this one, God damn, we need your support. There's a ton of ways you can support the show. One way to support the show is by sharing this thing. Get the word out. Anyone, you know, who's aspiring to be great in the industry, make sure they're listening to this podcast tag us when you share this content at restaurant unstoppable podcast so we can personally say thank you also you can use our affiliate links and our sponsors when you use our links and you work with our sponsors they say this is great we want to work with restaurant unstoppable more and then they do and it's that simple and we really do vet the people we work with we're really trying to let the word of mouth what our guests are recommending organically steer the ship of restaurant unstoppable when you use our links you keep this shit honest it's that simple help us keep this shit honest and the best way you can support restaurant unstoppable network is by joining restaurant wait i should just say restaurant unstoppable is by joining restaurant unstoppable network wow it's a long day um there's a lot of cool stuff happening over the network and we're only going to get better um so get into the network be a part of the conversation and come hang out and then lastly, I cannot say goodbye without saying thank you to the people who make this show possible. Thank you to Jared Parisi with Sumadre Podcast for your copyright and editing. Thank you to Callan Miola, our community manager, for all the hard work you're doing behind the scenes. And thank you to Anna Tazen with Good Kind Consulting for your executive support and counsel. That's it for today. Until next time, peace out.